Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Friendship Snake Podcast. I am your host, Wade Mariano, and I'm joined as always by Trace Laurel Finicaro and Paul Thomas Asperson. That is a one Gunner Kennedy. Hey, guys. So, another year in the books. Father Time is remaining undefeated. That's in reference to you oh, getting my old age. Talk, right? So, <laughs> here's a question: yeah. Are you did did you did you did you hit did you officially hit the four decade mark? Or are you still teasing that? No, I am officially forty now, um, and I okay, celebrated Norman. in a in a way to remind me that I'm very old and too old for shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So, I, so it was slept? essentially you slept. No, it was two two nights of <laughs> getting shit faced. Oh, uh, and staying up till like three in the morning. Mm-hmm. What who? Saturday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, uh, Tizel and his wife Courtney and uh, mm-hmm. Shaggy and Ashley came out. Uh, Shauna got like a little Airbnb that was like midway in between and right near the casinos. Mm-hmm. Um. Just a heads up, shock or spoiler alert. Uh, drinking began during the day, um, so no no casino was was attended. But oh. uh, late night drinking conversation, and um, it was a good time. It was great. It was awesome. I mean, you know, quarantine. It's it's about the best you can do. You know what I mean? Like nobody yeah. can really come out from New York yet. Um, Did you? Did you have pool noodles taped to your heads at all time to make sure that you maintain that six foot distance between each other? No, no, we did not. Um, did you we sat on opposing glasses? couches? We didn't go that far either. Um, but okay. uh, we did drink a lot. Glasses, not 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 the other word that sounds like that. Just correct. And you said okay. you had, this was two days worth of drinking. Friday, after I got out of work. Well, okay, we can go to the story. The story's kind of fun. So, um, I really don't like surprises. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's why I'm good at like uh, security and safety and defense and things like that. Like food defense. I think I would strive with those things because I really, really don't like surprises. So I get a phone call. Well, I get a, I get a text message first from Sean that says, Hey, can you call me? And I'm like, Okay. Usually weird. She had the day off, but usually, I don't know. Like, she would text me if she needed, you know what I mean? It was something small. Mm-hmm. So I call her. Say, like, hey. I'm like, hey. She's like, I'm five minutes away. And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? She's like, I have a surprise for you. I'm like, a, su- a surprise? I'm like, what? She gets a birthday surprise. I'm like, okay. Like, well, I'm getting out like a little bit early, so that's good. So it'll it'll coincide with your arrival time. But dude, after I hung up the phone, even though I know it was gonna be something good, it's a birthday surprise. I mean, it's usually not something bad. Um I don't know if it's because of COVID or what, but mm-hmm. my anxiety was like bad. Like my sure. stomach was turning. I was like, mm-hmm. what is this? So mm-hmm. go outside, she's like I got an Airbnb, you know, we're going to spend the weekend kind of just away from home. 
okay, cool, sweet. It's down near, like, in between the casinos. And then she's like, there's going to be guests coming. And I'm like, oh, shit. And obviously, the only guests coming are the ones that are, like, an hour away. So Friday night, um, Tizel and Courtney showed up, and we started drinking. And he brought some of the beer he had just canned on Friday at his new brewery. And then uh, Saturday, Shaggy and Ashley came up, and uh, we day drank then, too. So it was just a lot of drinking, essentially. But it was a good time. Did uh, did she pack you some swag clothing? No, pretty. St- I mean, yeah, I mean, stuff that I like, like T-shirt and jeans, essentially. Although, if I have to be fair, I would say a vast majority of the time I had my uh, no, like mesh shorts on. Like the stuff I like practically pajamas because I wasn't going outside. Oh, sure. Just drinking. drinking, Yeah. (laughs) Regardless. Sunday, I felt like hammered dog shit. Yeah. How did it feel after two days of drinking now that you're 40? Not good. Not good. I mean, I like for me, like, like just two, two hours of drinking messes me up for a while. So. It was weird because I felt fine on Saturday. (laughs) But then I think my body was like, all right, old man, I'm giving you a pass. Like, you feel okay today. Make sure you take care of yourself. And I was like, no, man. And and, and you were were like waters for lightweights, and this has water in it, so I'll be fine. (laughs) Did you... um, uh, did you, Did you do any coping mechanisms? Um, on your hangover day, did you do like super salty food or did you do vitamins? What did you do to replenish? Sunday, Sunday, the only thing that I wanted was some vitamin G and I went to McDonald's and got just that for breakfast. And then what's vitamin G? Grease, Grease. vitamin G. For whatever reason, it makes, makes me feel better after a hangover. Sure. Yeah. Did you have a McGriddle or or four? No, I did have a sausage, egg, and cheese and a couple of sausage burritos. So your boy got it in, no doubt. It was... Uh, well, it's your birthday. You I better probably have gotten it in. Well, yeah. How, how, was, <laughs> how, 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 was, how was the post-noon ass blasting that was, that ensued afterwards? Uh, it was rough. It was rough. Monday was rough, too. Monday was kind of just tired, just kind of like... Sometimes the day after is worse. Like when you exercise, it well, can be it, like that. Like the day after, oh, yeah. day two after exercising two, is like yeah. murder. Like you start, pe- you're, you're you're peeing, you're peeing dark. Like there's black in there a little bit from muscle, <laughs> muscle fibers breaking down. The viscosity is a bit off. Yes, it's like I I feel I. I... So it, it's not supposed to be value. As a parent, it's um. It's the next day sucks, obviously, but the next day sucks worse because a lot of the times, like when you have a night out like that, you actually only get a babysitter for the day before, Oh, you know, the day off, the day off. So then the next day you, you know, you either come home, you know, if the babysitter stayed overnight or you come home that night and crash. And then it's like, like, like a fucking rooster in the morning. The kids are just like at full roar. They're like, yeah, oh my god, my parents are here. I haven't seen them, and man, it must be a few hours. 
I'm just going to make sure that they know um, that I'm excited to see them. And, uh, or make so them pay. <laughs> yeah. They're so not mutually like, exclusive. <laughs> That's true. Like their, their voice, like the, the range of their, like the pitch of their voice. It's like at the same pitch of like when somebody's too loud when you're hungover, you're like, ah, I'm going to change the, the, the station on the TV because there's people clapping and that's like, it, it's frequencies that hurt me right now. The kids thank, like, thank, that's thank their, you. A million years. Yeah. That's, evolution. that's their natural roar. Um, and unlike the television, you can't, you know, turn the knob down. So that's actually, that's, that's, that's something that's, um, even more scary is like the the idea that you can't even have a hangover day anymore. You just have to you have to like you know it's like when you're at work and you have a migraine and you know that you can't really piss off your coworkers because you're going to have to deal with them tomorrow. <laughs> so you just pretend that you don't have a migraine. So obviously, not obviously, but there's a lot of uh, happy birthdays going on today, especially on like Facebook and stuff. And it's like fucking mind blowing, like in a really good way. Um, been super depressed lately, and all these people wish me happy birthday, even if it's just on social media or whatever. It's like a big deal. It made me feel really good, which is which is awesome. Very humbling for sure. So I'm going back through my timeline, and it's when I turned thirty. It was like, oh man, now I'm old. Mm-hmm. Fucking, if I only knew. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever have? Does any you guys ever? Any of you guys ever have like regrets? So I mean, everyone has regrets, I guess. Um, hopefully not major ones. This isn't like major, but I always felt like I was too old to like enjoy certain stuff. And I look back now, and it's like, what a fucking dumb perspective. Yeah. No, nobody so, else has that. It's okay. So, like, the vast majority of my productivity years were. It, it got crazy for me between um, the birth of my first child and working full time for my company. And the years in there were, they were so packed that I had a hard time understanding what it was like to not, to not work, you know, like 18 hours a day or whatever something ridiculous. Um, so during those years, I was always under the impression that if I just had more free time then I could go and pursue all of these things that I wanted to do, right? Like I want to start exercising again and I don't want to be a runner. Like I don't want to subscribe to like runner's magazine or whatever magazine is dedicated to running i don't think there's enough content for me to be interested in it and i don't really want it to be me it's not my identity but i want to feel good you know and i want to exercise but i have to be on this strict regiment to be able to know that i'm going to go running at a certain time of the day rain or shine and uh you know so i always told myself i was like well when i get more time like when i'm no longer doing these crazy things when i get more time then I'll have plenty of opportunity to carve out a spot for running. And uh, 
same thing with like music. Like I wanted to take some professional music lessons and I'm like, well, when I have more time, then I'll be able to carve out, you know, an hour a week to you know, start, start learning a musical instrument. And uh, it turns out that when I gave myself more time, I just did things I wanted to do. Not things that I like, like feel compelled to do right, I the things that I do are more entertainment. They are less um, work and education, and that's uh, that's sad. I mean, it's sad that that that's the path. <laughs> um, but at the same token, I feel like my energy levels had peaked probably somewhere in my in my early twenties, and now now you know at the end of my evenings, I'm like, well, I don't know if I have the energy to pick up another item to learn another skill. And uh, that's where and, our that's where our podcast sponsor Skillshare comes in. Skillshare <laughs> <laughs> we are not sponsored by Skillshare. Not yet. A wonderful service. Not yeah, we maybe one day. It is a wonderful service though. So yeah, I think about that stuff all the time. I think about, you know, I think about like how much how much time is in a day, how much can be done, what things I wanted to do versus the things that I did do. But you know, it's it's also it's also crazy because I feel like we were raised in this like '90s um, kind of. Uh, we were raised in this like this culture that pretty much said that if you sway back and forth together. To the tune of a Pepsi commercial, then every everything is going to turn out okay, right? And all it takes is just hope, and everything's going to turn out okay. And that you can be anything, right? <laughs> we can all be professional athletes, and we can all be professional, um, um, whatever, whatever we want to be. But then it turns out it's like, no, actually, for that job, you probably should have perfect vision. And for this job, you probably should, like, when you, when you fall asleep, you should be dreaming about calculus. <laughs> if you're not dreaming about calculus, you shouldn't have this job. And then this other job is like, um, for this, you have to be okay, like, just moving. Your body needs to be moving the moment that you get to work <clears throat> until the moment that you go home. And you don't get to think. You're a fucking monkey. You just have to pick stuff up and move it. And that's what you do. And like we weren't, I don't think we were prepared. So we had these hopes, you know, these dreams. And it's like, well, I could be the next professional skateboarder. I could be the next rock star. Um, but it turns out that there's a couple of people that get lucky, but the people that actually make it there, they spent a lot of time questioning whether or not they were ever going to make a living at that. True. Kind of going against the grain. So, so here's the flip side, which you know we talk about. We 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 kind of talked about this before, but so the the threshold was what amounts to ridiculous success, right? Like you had to be ridiculous. You know, the only people who counted were people who were ridiculously successful at that. And you know with the fragmentation with with the fragmentation of 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 how we just witness the world now due to digital media and all that nonsense like 
you got people who make a live you know you got people who make like a worksman a workman's living doing podcast or you know like streaming games or something like that <clears throat> but it, what 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 would you what's your threshold for i would do this i would do said thing but i'm not i i accept that i'm never going to be like a bill burr you know Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I feel you know who I feel you, that's would, a great question for is someone like like Jess Novak, right? Someone who wakes up every day, gets in front of a camera, yep. turns it on, sings to her fans, and you know she there could be a day where she happens to write a song and um, ends up ends up hitting the charts. You know, maybe somebody makes a TikTok remix of it or something like, that, and overnight she becomes a, a celebrity. Um, you know, or she just keeps going. She keeps doing what she enjoys. And um, I mean, we didn't talk to her about her finances. I, I don't know if I don't know how much of her of her um, her money is directly attributed to her music. If she has another job on the side, we didn't even ask because you know it's, it's, sometimes it's nice to just celebrate the artist um, and and kind of I think we all just kind of accept the fact that that they're starving up until the point that they're successful. And even if they're not, I mean, I wouldn't ask, you know, I don't, you share stuff with me, but I've, n- I've never asked you like, well, how much you make it? You know what I mean? Like, but, but I mean, I don't sell art, right? You so, might, some might consider it art. You're, you're so like you're so, programming, so, but like it's, it's, it's a different type of work. Don't you think? Oh, it's completely no. You're absolutely right. It's completely different. Yes, it's significantly because, more practical. Yeah, because selling art, right? I mean, you could be the, the because the starving artist is kind of just an accepted state, right? However, the starving computer programmer is not. If you're that talented at, at yes. programming, somebody will pay you for yes. what you're doing. There's exceptions, right? And wow. yeah, is actually a very good point, Gunner, because there's a lot of starving programmers. There really are. It, it is kind of like a slow-burning um, um, artisan-type trade in certain aspects. But those people could, at any point in time, go and do work for others and get paid very well for it um, if well, you have the talent. Art, on the other hand, is very difficult to get paid for. So you kind of have to make your own. Like you kind of have to sell your own. Right? I mean, absolutely. You could be the person that writes jingles for Curious George and you could make a living off of that. And every new Curious George episode that comes out, you could be the one hired to do those. But that to me, that's more like winning the lottery, right? You could try to do local commercials, but people probably aren't willing to pay that much. It might not be any more than you'd book from a show like a local show. So I, I know what you're saying, although you've never asked, um, you would feel, you would feel perfectly comfortable asking me and you have in the past, like, are, are you going to, are you going to keep doing two jobs or are you going to work for yourself? Sure. For right? sure. Yeah. Those, that, that's a, that's a conversation that I didn't want to, that I don't, I don't want to stir up with an artist because it's, um, you know, the product they're creating is, is, is so subjective. And, um, 
I'm sure they're asking them the, themselves I, those questions every day. They don't need a stranger right. <laughs> asking them. Well, no, no. But it, I, I think I think maybe the way to phrase that is to go back to kind of the, where I was pushing it before, which is that what's your threshold for? I'm willing to accept less. Like yeah. the qual the qual the quality of my life is an actually calculatable value to me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this and like herein lies right herein lies it right. I have my own personal hangups. Like, you know, I have a partner and I feel mm-hmm. the need to Yes. Earn as much money as possible because that's how I feel like I've contributed. Wade, Shauna would Shauna would honestly Wade like Ape. love for me to just quit. Mm-hmm. Wade She's Ape. said it before. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait, work wage strong. Yes, that's fine. correct. If yeah. Fine wall, but fine contributor to household B. I just couldn't. No, I just I, uh, right now I'm not at the spot, but like if it's something where I could bring in, you know, to be honest, with you, what's my threshold for it? Um, if I could do it, and it could be, you know, a gig that supports even a little bit less than now, we'd still be fine. You know what I mean? But if I could make it like a day to day gig and make it, and if I could grind it, I'd do it. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, right now, can't do it. I'm so, just now at a point here. in my life where it's only been a few years where it's kind of been like, you know, some stability where that I could at least have time to, to branch out and not work two fucking jobs and mm-hmm. move away it's, from my fucking friends and family every like three or four years. It's tough too, because um, I think the question, I think the question um, is very contextual sensitive. Like, it depends on level of of happiness or unhappiness from each side. So, like, you know, I was very fortunate in my most recent change because I the threshold for me was I had to match, um, and that was because of a similar situation as Wade's. I was compelled to provide, so I needed to match. I had been carefully monitoring my quality of life and the amount that I spend to maintain that quality of life. And I needed that same amount. There were some concerns. Um, one part of that quality of life was healthcare. So that changes when all of a sudden you're, you're trying to go at it alone. Um, now there's ways on the open market to say, well, I only anticipate making $10,000 this year and the open market's like, okay, well, we'll give you a really, really huge discount on your, your plan. So it does kind of encourage uh, people to go out because you are allowed to use next year's figures for that. Unfortunately, what you end up paying for at the end of the year isn't next year's figures. It's the it's it's how much you made, um, and that's they, they give you a kickback based on how much you made. So next year's figures is good for you know forecasting, but it's you still might end up owing more at the end of the year, and that's um that th- that will happen. Yeah, go go going through going through this this calculus right now. Fun <laughs> so, fact: fun fact, uh, if you pick up if you pick Cobra up from your employer, oof. Uh, you automatically are disqualified from ACA enrollment until the next open enrollment period, except for this year from March 1st to May 15th, Mm -hmm. they extended that period because of some weird 
Yeah, because Cobra nonsense. can Cobra lasts six months, and sometimes you can get it up to a year. The thing with Cobra is, um, Cobra's okay in an emergency, like uh, like you're oh, quitting your but job. It's crazy expensive, though. Yeah, like you're quitting your job, but you know you have a surgery that, that like you know a week a week or, or a few weeks or a few months later. The the problem is is what Cobra does. Co- people say Cobra's expensive, and it's yeah. actually Cobra doesn't cost anything. Um, what Cobra does is it gives you the right to continue paying your previous healthcare premium um, for up to six months uh, because you're no you're no larger risk by leaving the employer. You just have to pay the premium. The reason that it's perceivably expensive is because you have to pay the entire premium, right? Exactly, including what your employer was kicking in. So what Cobra really does, everyone says it's expensive, but the what's the irony of it is is that Cobra actually doesn't cost a thing. Um, the only thing that actually does cost additional money on top of your your existing premium is the your your human resources department is legally allowed to charge an administrative fee for managing that policy. So before they just assume it's part of their job role, but if you got, you know, 10,000 employees and you lose a thousand a year, well, it makes sense to be able to, um, that's an additional overhead. There's a lot of administrative work that they have to do. They're responsible for. So they're allowed to charge. It's not a lot though. I believe it's like up to 1% of your premium, which still is a decent amount of money, but it's not a lot. And in the case of my previous employer, the human resources, um, they contract out um, for the human resources and the human resources um, woman said, Trace, I would I would manage yours for no money. Don't worry about that. I'm not going to charge you money. The problem was, is the premium was, um, I believe the premium was $3,800 a month. And that's what the employer was paying. No, I know. So it doesn't, it doesn't cost, but it costs the person that's going on Cobra. Like it's costing them way more. I've been on Cobra once. Holy fuck. And that was as a single, right? You didn't have anyone else on the plan. Yeah, fuck yes. yeah. Yeah. So for yeah. for for me, it, it's it's um for me it's a family plan, um which includes my wife and and my children, um but yes, yeah, so like if you have a surgery, you know it's coming up, then yeah, jump on Cobra. But yeah, Gunner, it's very interesting to know that if you use it at all, you have to wait until the next open enrollment. Um, that's insane. It kind of makes sense though, because what you've done by going on Cobra is you've kind of exempted yourself from the um. Uh, qualifying event, um, which is just, it's, it's really bullshit. Um, I don't know yeah. if you know this, but it, it actually, something, something kind of similar to that happens when you have a kid. Uh, the kids a, is a qualifying event. So you're allowed to make changes to your healthcare plan. And even if you're enrolled in a family plan, the kid's not automatically added to it when the kid's born. And if you don't enroll that child after the qualifying event, I think you have 30 days, maybe it's 60, but if you don't put the kid on the insurance, all of a sudden you're responsible for the bills. So it's weird. Like, like, you know, like, like the, um, the hospital, you know, where the, where, where, where the baby is born, since most of that is care for the mother, it's covered. Right. But let's say, let's say there was something that happened and they had to attend to the baby um, during birth or, you know, even the shots, right? The shots that they administer. Um, there's a lot of services that they do th- th- for the baby. They're weighing the baby. They charge for everything. You're paying full price if you don't put them on the plan. <laughs> yes. All of those, those bills start rolling in. And you're the only way that you know is because they aren't paid. And you're and and then um, you know, then you go and you you plea with your uh your health insurance provider and you know, you say, Oh, well, I was 
know, I was, um, you had to, you, you, you almost have to lie and be like, oh, well, I was really tired because we were caring for the baby and it was extenuating circumstances. And it's like, no, it was actually my third baby. So the only extenuating circumstances was that I forgot and your policy is stupid. Like, <laughs> Speaking of stupid policies, when did this start? And I know it's been a few years now. Has it, I guess I wouldn't know because I've, you know, never been married, but the age. Not the age. The age I remember when that happened. And I was like, fuck, that would have been sweet. Um when was it when did it when was it that your spouse can't be on your plan if they have an option to go through with with insurance at their at their at their employer if they're employed and you have to like prove that or whatever. Like when did that start? Um, I don't believe that to be true. It is at my company, and it wasn't the one the one I worked before it. So your company has a policy that doesn't allow them to help pay your your spouse's insurance premium if she's also offered another insurance elsewhere. So if if your spouse, and this has actually been the last three places that I've worked, mm-hmm. if your spouse is working, mm-hmm. and at the establishment, if the the establishment that they're working at offers health insurance, mm-hmm. she ha- she he or she I've never heard or of whoever that. has to. Has yeah, they have to go through their their company. I've never heard of that before, and I I mean, I I work with people who pick and choose. So they're like, okay, well, my spouse, you know, works here. That, as far Her as I knew, that's better. how it always was. So we go yeah, because there. you go with a better plan. And you're actually you're actually that 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 appears. You know, say? sorry, that that appears that actually that that is a, a semi common practice. I guess you just um, never worked at a place that d- did it, Trace. Um, yeah, that's, I, yeah, I've never, I've never heard of such ridiculousness. Um, uh, there's, there's, there's people that I've worked with that have actually been co-insured. Um, they're, they have insurance from their spouse and then they buy an additional package for themselves and you can have two insurance plans. And then there's a weird yeah. thing when all of that kicks in as well. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I've never, what? I've never heard employers were allowed to discriminate against a, um, a, uh, you know, a single plus one or a family plan. Well, um, honestly, if, they're in there, if those, we go ahead. Because Sorry. what's, what's preventing them from forcing you to put your children on child health plus, you know, it's a similar situation. Kind of. That's what, so when I was at the last job and my insurance was coming up, the insurance really sucked. And I was mm-hmm. like, Hey, Shauna, like, you know, Let's let's you know what I mean it, it was kind of a long shot like you wouldn't just get like rush getting married or just do adjust to the piece just for insurance or whatever but it's like you think about it right and she was like no like we can't like because your company offers insurance you have to get insurance through them yeah that's crazy I was like holy shit it's it almost makes I, you want to quit your job just long enough because it's usually cheaper with a single plus one than it is for two separate plans. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, depending on what you have and what the options are, sure. So, so here's here's kind of a, a, here's a flip side conversation to that too, or here's a parallel, which is so that situation's effed up. But at what point does the conditions that are attached to your insurance plan become so onerous that it's like? 
I may be fucked, you know, like I'm like you're statistically you're fucked even if you have it. Like, you know, now that now that they're pushing everything to telemedicine and you I'll, have be, to I'll be honest with you tooth and na- tooth and nail for even the, the like the basic testing at this point, because they're fucking like they're they're rejecting X, you know, x-rays on COVID patients and stuff like that, because they say that there's not any indicating circumstances for chest x-rays on them. I have significantly like way better insurance than I did at the last place I was at. Um, my, but okay. But still as trace fucking predicted, I'm on week eight. Still haven't got my MRI yet and I still have numbness in my right leg. So, (laughs) so it's, I think it's, it's, it's going to be shitty in those regards anyway. But that being said, the last insurance I had, (laughs) it was fucking weird. Like it was based out of New Jersey because that's where the headquarters is. is. Ignoring the fact that 90% of the employees worked in Massachusetts and then like maybe 80% of the employees and another like 15% of the employees worked in Rhode Island. But whenever it's like everything was out of network, it was fucking weird and strange. Like to the point where I had to, you go to their website and you're looking for an in-network doctor, but then it's like, oh, wait, you want to search outside of New Jersey? It's like, asshole, I live in Rhode Island. I'm nowhere near New Jersey. So they sent me to someone they said was in their network, and then they fucking refused to pay them because, oh, well, they're billing out of Rhode Island, and we're in New Jersey. I said, yeah, and? Well, they you know, they need to... Essentially, the insurance company said they need to they, they needed to figure it out, or I needed to call and coordinate that. And I was like, there's nothing to fucking coordinate because I don't even know what you're talking about. Call them. And they're like, well, it's a... It's in New, it's in Rhode Island. I said so. We're in New Jersey. I'm like so, and they just refused to do it. It was like three hundred dollars just hanging out there, not because it wasn't covered, but because like they wouldn't fucking call New. They wouldn't call Rhode Island from New Jersey. So like when I think of shit like that, and how much you had to pay, it was just shitty insurance. And it's like Jesus, <laughs> this is I paid for this a pretty good amount of money for fucking terrible service and expensive like premiums. I. See, I'm I'm really I. They're all evil shitheads, so no one's coming to save us. But I really am kind of looking forward to Jeff Bezos. Besides the space program, like someone else just base making it their like personal mission. Out of did Bernie get a seat? Did did get it, Bernie get a seat in the cabinet? No, he did not. He deliberately got snubbed because uh, Wade. Right now, because, because how many would I have to kill to get him there? <laughs> Yeah, how many no, would I, no, how many would I have to kill to get to Bernie in charge? 20, 2022 and 2024 are going to be like the you know like when they when they talk when they talk about like the last Roman senates you know gloom gloom and doom it's I just wish there was an option the, 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 Everybody, like, remember the whole like, hey, we just won by the we won by the scrabble of our teeth, yes, and then immediately, fucking roll over. Well, we don't actually, we're not actually going to get those stimulus checks out, and we're not going to, we're not going to do the fifteen dollar minimum wage. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to means test it because maybe if your company is big enough, they can then it counts, and then. Like, it's just like I hear the arguments here is well, you know, Canada they're waiting forever for an MRI. Well, I'm waiting forever for a fucking MRI. A, eh? you're waiting. Can for they it. just have that? 
<laughs> Can I just have that well, option? Actually, no, you're not, I have the option not waiting where I have forever. to wait a while, but I don't have to pay much. You're not waiting forever. You're not going to get one. You, you know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, statistically, it's an adversarial system. It's the, 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 the outlier is you successfully accomplish this task. You are not, you are not in a class that has access to the system, the, the, the system that built these tools. So, so, um, I want to touch a little bit on Gunner, your, your question. It kind of sparked the, you know, if how yeah. much health insurance costs and stuff. Um, so when I made that decision, you know, about a, about a year and a half ago now, um, about, you know, if I could walk away, I was in a very fortunate situation because I was able to match most of what I had learned, um, you know, what, what, what I had accepted as, as a standard quality of life. Um, so I was very fortunate, but I was fortunate in more ways than one. So a lot of the times when people walk away from, from something, um, it's because they're unhappy. And I had the luxury of choosing. So I kind of hit a fork in the road. I'm like, okay, I'm spending a lot of time on job B. Um, job A is paying my bills. It has great benefits. But I wasn't unhappy at job A. And I think that that's rare. Um, maybe it's more common for startups. Yes. Because a lot of people who create their own company startups are... They don't necessarily dislike their day job, right? It's just some idea that they came up with is now turning into um, a real job, real work. You know, it's not just fun anymore. And now they need to start spending their days working on it. So I think I was really lucky, but this isn't the first time that I've been faced with this situation. And it's why, like, my most recent experience, I think, is a really bad example. Um, it's a bad example for, for a few reasons. Number one, I was fortunate enough to be able to maintain the same quality of life. I don't think that that's common. I think a lot of people have to make large sacrifices. Um, and number two, I've made it at a time, well, maybe this part's missed. This part is common, but I made it at a time when a major deciding factor was my family. Right. So a lot of people try making these decisions. They don't have a family or like, you know, maybe you know, maybe you have just a wife, you don't have kids. And that can be a little bit easier because there might be, um, it might be easier to struggle for a while when there's less people that are impacted. So the first time that I had this situation was uh, when I was, I was yeah. a cashier at a casino and, and I hated my job. I hated every second of it. Um, my bosses knew that. I actually, <laughs> I actually, I, I was trying to get into the IT department and I asked my manager, I said, uh, Hey, um, I, you know, I'm trying to, I got my resume, I'm working on it. And I was wondering, would you be, you know, you've been here for a while. Would you be willing to write me a letter of recommendation to the IT department? And he said, no. What was his reasoning behind that? Um, he said that although, you know, he got along with me on a personal level, he wasn't impressed with, with um, how I conducted myself professionally. And at that point, he was he was right, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, what were you doing professionally that he had a problem with? Well, I was I was a 19-year-old punk. You're male I mean, content? You know, yeah. 
Yeah, I just, I didn't like the job and I mouthed off to a lot of my bosses because I, I really didn't like the job. Um, I spent most of my time playing on the computer. Um, so like there wasn't much to do. The computers were locked down. But I spent most of my time like like trying to um, trying to figure out a way to to send an instant message to the other people that were working with me to the computer, which I eventually figured out and I trained them all on. But you know, that type of stuff... <laughs> Although it shows a little bit of initiative, it's also a little bit of insubordination. Um, and uh, the, the job, this job was was a specifically a, a, a pretty, a pretty bad one for a person like me because on the business, it was a it was a mobile cashier. So I was walking around and taking money and stuffing it into an apron. And on on the busy days, I could barely take a bathroom break, right? I'd get my lunch, but almost no break at all, right? You're just handling money for your entire eight-hour shift. Um, on the dead days, you were just literally just standing in a corner by yourself, just waiting for someone to give you money. Very, very slow, very boring. So what would happen is, is on the busy days, I would accidentally get stuck next to another cashier, and then I would chat with them while I was taking all this money, and I would get yelled at. They'd say, "You have to break up your carts, because or, you know you, you'd have you know you have to be at different ends so that uh, you know, people that that needed to give you money were all walking to one area, you you know whatever." But then on the dead days, um, the dead days, I would just I'd be like, you know what, one cashier could run this entire building, so I would hide in the corner. And, you know, and I would just chat with people on the computer. So I guess maybe that's too much details, but from a performance <laughs> perspective, I can see why I might've been perceived as a problematic, um, a problematic, uh, in, in employee. Um, so, you know, that's why that's probably, that, that's probably part of why he, he, he wrote a bad, a bad reference or he wouldn't, he wouldn't write a good one. I should say he wouldn't write a good reference. He says he would write a personal one, but he wouldn't write a professional one. Um, so it took me a while in order to to break out of that that job, um, I ended up I ended up um, becoming friends with with a guy in the in the department that I wanted to go to, and that's eventually what got me an interview. But this, this is a long story to answer Gunner's question. But I uh, at that time I was making seven dollars and fifteen cents an hour as a cashier. Um, I think so. I think it was that much. It might have been minimum wage. Might have been fifty cents more. But it's right around there. It was in between seven and eight dollars, and uh, I sit down with the uh, with the supervisor uh, in the in the IT department, and um, she says, "You know, what are your what are your salary expectations?" And I said, um, "I don't have any. Um, I would do this for less money than what the ca than what being a cashier is paying me right now." Like I said that to her, and I was honest. Mm -hmm. So I was. I didn't have much to lose. And at that point in, in my life, I was probably a little bit closer to where um, you are, uh, Wade, at least financially, because I was. it was just me and my girlfriend at the time, and she was paying all of my bills. And I was in college, so I was only really working part-time anyway. And to me, I, I, the biggest hurdle wasn't the, the money at all. The biggest hurdle was me actually getting like some experience in that trade. And then being able to use that experience to get a job elsewhere. And I was afraid that I would, yeah, I had put in enough job postings at that point in time, not just there, but other places that I was afraid that if I didn't get any experience, I would never start that career. Um, 
so that's so so I, it's a long story to a to a short answer. But at that point in my in in, in my life, Gunner, I would have taken half of my wage. I would have done it for free. I would have done a, a free internship just to know that I had you know some type of experience under my belt. I mean, I'm 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 kind of in the besides the going my own way. I'm kind of in the Stella gets her groove back phase because mm-hmm. I just have been beaten about the head and shoulders so much that I, you know, like I, I gotta, I gotta see if I can still hack it, you know, like it's, I mean, I know I can, but I, I just, you know, it would knowing and actually doing are two entirely separate until you actually start doing it. It seems all probably feels not impossible, but like very difficult. Now, when you say that, do you mean like, you know, like a like a politician that promises when they become president, when they become president, and then they get so caught up in politics for thirty years of their life when they become president, they're like, I don't remember the things I wanted to do. Like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know. I guess the thing is that what is it? Eat a code coder's code. And I don't write a whole hell of a lot of code as of late. And it's really just not, it's not what I, this is, you know, like what I do is not what, who I see myself as. Yeah. And I just like to not do it on a green screen for once. (laughs) Fucking. (laughs) Well, for the the listeners that don't know what he's saying on a green screen. (laughs) For the listeners that don't know what he's referring to, Gunner's talking about working on a system designed in the 70s and 80s <laughs> where the the text on the screen is still green. Monochromatic, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, have to, I have to reverse engineer software that's older than I am. That's on a regular <sighs> basis. It, it was crazy to me in the IT industry realizing that 90, 95% of, of a programmer's job in, in a large company is just getting like text and, and putting it in a different format for someone else. Like that's, that was insane to me. It's like, yeah, you, um, we're going to have you build an interface between these two systems. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that sounds complex. <laughs> is there some handshaking going on? Is there some encryption? And it's like, no, I'm going to send you a bunch of numbers with the pipe symbol in between. And I need you to take out the pipe symbols. Okay. Um, and then what do I do with that file? Oh, that's it. That's, uh, that's actually all you do. It's like, okay, well, you called that an interface, but to me, that's search and replace in Notepad. So, <laughs> so yeah. what the f- what the fuck was I hired for? Well, well, yeah. So th- the unfortunate caveat to this is that, um, because it was just search and replace for the longest time, there was no value seen in retaining any of that other knowledge. Like you know, the, so now it's like, hey. We needed to do everything for the top and bottom, but we also have an organization that's not designed to allow one person to do all of those tasks. So please instruct other people on this thing that you're not entirely sure what you what needs to be done, but uh, you put it put it put it put it in a put it in a succinct bullet pointed list with signatures, and then be responsible when it doesn't get done. 
then the guy that actually that actually fixes stuff gets fired and they're like hey gunner you built that interface right so that means you know everything about the system <laughs> all right we're gonna have you do that in addition to your normal job Hey, you you made the you made the mistake of being a long term person, but you're not long term enough to have anything that was like important from day one. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that. People do quit. People, I, I'm a firm believer yeah. in that. People don't quit. Some people quit jobs, no doubt. Like Trace, obviously, the cage obviously wasn't a, a fit for you. You obviously didn't like it from well, the start. But people fucking definitely more often than not, I think, quit bad. Either people quit people, but a lot of times it's bad management. It's just bad fits. I mean, like you know, you, you know, and uh, maybe this is giving yeah. people a pass, but like no, not well, no, yeah, necessarily bad management. It's it's just ma manage manage. You know, like you may have a management structure that's perfectly effective. It just may not be effective for the task that they're they they've been given. Like you know, you, you know, like you you have a support you have a support team. But you're asked to do development work, or yeah, that's you have that's that's, a logistic... the, that, that's whoever's in charge of that and think that thinks that's a good idea is a bad manager because they lack the ability and the foresight to see this is going to be taxing on my people that are already doing this other task. We're not giving them anything extra. I'm not even saying money, whether it's time off, whether it's trying to bring in other people, making the, making the department bigger. You're fucking <laughs> you're short sighted. And for whatever reason, whether it's you're getting pressure from the top to make it work financially, the it's poor fucking management. Anybody that thinks they get shit for free shouldn't be in business. Everything costs. They should they should they should be in government. Yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> another thing. Um, another thing. I don't want to rant too much about how what of a drain working in <laughs> working at uh, in in an IT department is, but. Uh, I had a very um <laughs> in my early my early days in IT uh, I was I was an overnight operator which meant that I just babysat the systems while everyone else slept. Um it was actually Gunner's first job at the same place. Um fantastic job. Um I really really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for a couple of reasons. Number one, I really really liked the way the supervisor ran that um that small department. I felt that she had a really close-knit team. She tried to put people that were compatible with each other instead of people that were like, you know, highly skilled. Um, and I, I, I criticized her about it at first, but then I realized that, it, like you said, people leave people. So if, if you don't, if you're not compatible with the person that you're sitting next to, she has to pick up on that and then, you know, shuffle things around so that her team stays strong. Because if, if they've been there for three years and she loses them, that's three years of knowledge. Now, not everyone perceives it that way. And a lot of companies don't perceive your three years as three years of knowledge. Um, but in this type of job where you're babysitting the systems, a lot of it is, um, is uh, uh, like developing good habits for better. And I think in quality control, Wade, you would, you would probably feel the same way. You when you, when somebody that's been there for three years um, puts a checkbox next to a line, um, there's a there's a lot more fear in their head than somebody that is just being trained, because they understand what the ramifications are if they didn't actually go through those proper checks. And uh, 
so on overnights, I got to do a lot of cool things. Um, one of them was I got to start writing video games. That was really cool. Now these aren't real video games. These aren't like Call of Duty or something fun. These are like 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 your side scroller Mario type games. And that was what was great about that is it taught me how to learn a little bit more about computer programming. Um, when um, you know it, while I was getting paid, <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Um, after that, I moved on to some productivity software there, um, and that 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 achieved some success and it got me at least got me recognized for a promotion. But before that, um, I noticed that on overnights, what would happen is the departments would be bored. So they would call it for small problems. Now, if you don't know what this means, you almost have to be like in a production scenario with computers, but the end user is going to always prioritize production over over just, yeah. fixing IT bugs. So for example, if if you can't sign into a computer and the person standing next to you is already signed into their computer, it's perfectly normal in a production and like an assembly line to be like, just sign in. I just need to start processing, just sign in. Um, so those types of things happened. But another one that would happen a lot is if if the software crashed, you would just reopen it, right? If the computer crashed, you would just reboot it. Just, yeah. The thing is, though, is as the business area starts to get slower, um, they start to be able to afford the time to put in these tickets and be like, you know, it's not that big of a deal waiting a few. Back then, it would take like five minutes for a computer to reboot. Now it's more like, you know, 20 seconds. But it's like, well, I'm okay spending five minutes out of my shift rebooting a computer and the customers are waiting in line. But if I can get ahead of this problem, I will. So they'd start calling and I'd start feeling those calls. And I had a couple of people call and they're like, how come my computer just stops working at like, you know, like two in the morning? Like, I don't, I don't know. And they're like, it seems like it happens after I get back from break. And I'm like, okay, is your, like, is it falling asleep and it's never waking from sleep? And they're like, um, I don't know, I guess so. So I ask them the model of their computer. I type it into, uh, you know, to Google. It turns out that this specific model of computer, um, Gunner's going to love the, the, the end of this story. Um, it turns out the specific model of this computer had had a bug inside the BIOS. In the BIOS, right, it's the basic part of the computer that, that makes everything else work. It's ha it handles sleep. And uh, the company had issued a patch. It had issued a patch to, uh, to fix this issue. So... Um, I, I go to my boss and I'm like, I know this is kind of outside of my my job description, but uh, I think we need to patch the BIOS on all these computers. And she goes, um, what, what, we, we don't we don't patch BIOSes in this department. And I'm like, I, I know, but I'm kind of do this help desk stuff when help desk is home sleeping, and I've observed this problem, and this this page says that it fixes this exact problem that we're having, and uh, we should patch it. And she's like, okay, well. I'm going to get you one of these computers and you're going to patch it. You know, I'm, I'm, you're going to patch it tomorrow while I'm here. And if it works, then we're going to go around the rest of the, uh, the rest of the, the building. And we're going to go and, and fix this issue. And I'm like, okay, great. So she brings one of the computers up. She sets it in front of me. I go to the website, I get the patch, I put it in, I try applying it and it errors out and it rolls the computer back. 
And she goes, okay, well, what, were, what was your result? And I said, the result was that it wouldn't let me apply the patch. And she says, okay, well, then we're not doing it. And she puts the computer away, right? A few weeks later, um, they tell me to show up to this department meeting and I show up and they nominate me for employee of the month, right? And she stands up and she says, she says, uh, Trace went above and beyond. He found a help desk issue. Um, he found a solution to the help desk issue. Um, and we feel that this is, you know, this is an example for other. It's funny because in the cage, I never would have been an example of getting employee of the month, you know, as a cashier. But um, th this is an example of, of, what, of, of what we like to see out of our employees. And the director comes over, right? He hands me an employee of the month thing. It gives me like special parking for a, for a month or something like that. He shakes my hand and he says, good work on that, Trace. And I stop him and I say, did you ever patch any of the computers? And he just turned and walked away from me. Yeah. See, the, and this is <laughs> this is the this is the politics thing. <laughs> like it got enough recognition for me to get fucking VIP parking, but not Never but fixed. not enough to actually but not enough to actually do it. Never fixed. Oh. Sorry, it's such it, a long story. It, no, well, no, because it, but this is so. This, this is this is the thing too, and maybe this is where like, you know, we talk about like differences in generations. And this isn't a fucking kids get off my lawn, but were we one of the last generations that was indoctrinated with this idea that? Like there was a fuck, there was a, it was a fucking good thing to like work, like just you know, like just fucking you know, fuck we're fucking heave ho, all yeah. in it, you know, like because yeah. the fuck, like you say, like circa late nineties, if you were a fucking millennial, that fucking shit, that fucking shit was weak sauce, right <laughs> off the bat, because the fuck, the fucking cover got ripped off, ripped the fuck right off that hole line of bullshit like i you know like people talk about how kids have terrible work ethics no work is fucking off work is fucking awful it's the thing it's the, i mean we're fucked we're we're fucked is, though, we, is, we're, 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 we drank the kool-aid but what, but what a what a great lesson though to someone who's brand new at a job you know and wade talks about this too i don't know if was it on the podcast or was it privately when you were talking about some of the safety hazards i can't remember um I think that was privately. Probably privately. <laughs> privately. It's probably better that <laughs> I way. Guess. Yeah. Um, but it's a similar thing, right? You raise concern, you raise concern, you raise concern. And your boss is like, oh, yeah, this is important. And we care about this. And then all of a sudden, your boss is like, thank you. Bye. That's all. You were not talking about this again. And it's i think it's good when it's it's good when you first start off in in the corporate america because you have to be able to let go like you have to be able to let go and be like okay i guess i guess this is above my pay grade and i hate saying that phrase because i don't believe that to be true i really believe that that a good company does focus on the little things as much as they do the big things because those little things are really making i mean think about the people every single shift Watching their computer die, like think about their confidence in the department that supported them, that supported that service, 
or the incompetence, <laughs> you know, they reported the well, problem probably several times over. Nothing is done. I think there are well, different, like, I, I think tr- trace, you know, and this is where the IT tech, the, the blind monkey brain comes in because the other fix would have been okay. then set windows. So it doesn't fucking go to sleep. You know, like, we 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 just we just we do arbitrary things to kick ourselves in the unmentionables like it, it, it's just i t- i think we should take option c do nothing <laughs> no yeah actually no worse because you consciously are aware that something's fucked but then you've 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 you've, you've made you've made a committee decision that we're not going to do anything about it and what how fucking you know Wade 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 maybe can Wade can Wade came to a a a a a career decision path kind of thing or something similar, which is that like wasn't the moment when you like you spent the time to legitimate like so okay you go through the motion it's like oh now that I'm like, I did analysis here's what it's gonna here's what it's costing us a year for this to be like this blah 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 that's great. Uh, we, we remember how we told you we wanted that stuff. We didn't actually want that stuff. It, it's 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 the fancy clothes version of when my father used to like expect you to be psychic when you were fucking working with them doing a project outside. It's like why uh, didn't you? Uh, or when they're more. Oh, oh and oh, okay. So this is this is this is the the, the thing that that I kind of wanted to, to to touch on. And this is a quick one, but um. So. So, you know, you go through this work and sometimes it gets acknowledged, sometimes it doesn't. And uh, there was a, when I did eventually make it to be a programmer, they threw this task at me and the task was they wanted in real time, a counting number about how much money, um, about how much money had been paid out. Right. So that way they could be like, you know, we pay out, you know, this much money um, this year, you know, $48 million or whatever. And on December 1st, it'll start at zero. And then as soon as somebody gets money, Rome starts going up and starts going up. But they wanted it to just always be counting, right? Which is, which is a weird thing because you don't know what number it's going to count to, right? So it's, it's got to be a little bit behind, right? So I'm going to capture a number from 15 minutes ago and a number from now, and I'll just count up to that number, right? But the system that it was in was proprietary. Connecting to that system, I didn't have access to. So I jumped through all these hoops and then displaying it on the screen required some tech. I finally get this working, right? And because they wanted they wanted to kind of get a preview of what it looked like, I was given this huge TV that set up on top of my cubicle. And this was just constantly counting. It, it was a good conversation starter. People come by, they'd be like, we really paid out that much money? And I'm like... Yeah, according to the computer system, uh, it looks like we paid out that much money. They're like, "Oh, that's really cool." So I finally get it done. We're ready to we're ready to roll this out. Oh, and by the way, the design of it was decided by the marketing team, um, not 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 my not my team, but actually a completely different um, department. And the boss man walks in. When I say boss man, I mean like this guy was like probably one or two steps from you know the person running the entire company he walks in he looks at the sign and he says i don't like the color and then he walks back out (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh 
and my boss is like, Hey, how did it go? And I'm like, I think it went terrible, but I'm not really sure what I did. From- <laughs> oh my gosh. It's classic bike shedding though. Um, I'm sure we've used that term before, but you know, when, uh, when they're putting up a nuclear power plant and nobody that understands the technical details can really mention about how are they going to cool the reactor and stuff like that. Everyone starts arguing about the color that they're going to paint the bike shed that sits on the side. of it. <laughs> so I guess, I guess that was a valuable lesson too. So, uh, Wade, we try in. Are there certain jobs that just require you to have a defective personality to to do them well? So I think uh, when it comes to that, um, yes, there are roles that it would lend people to have certain. I say def- defective, maybe defective, maybe not, a not defective, term. but certain certain focuses. So I think anybody. Maybe that's got to manage something. I think you need to have people skills. I think you need to be able to talk to people, understand people, and learn about how to balance things, right? Like, I think the biggest problem I see in most companies uh, today are the people they put in charge are typically salespeople because those are very easy to measure. The, the metrics are simple to measure. Did you sell shit or did you not? How much did you sell year over we year? Manage- we manage what we know, but we manage to know very little. But unfortunately, there are some, but it's rare. Most people that are most people that are in sales should never be placed in in charge of anything but sales, um, because mm-hmm. they typically lack any type of sight. They don't see how the sausage is made. Um, so I want my sales guy to have like a lot of interpersonal skills. Um, but I want him to be a sales guy. I want him to worry about numbers. I don't. I don't want to put him in charge of the. I don't want him to be CEO. Essentially, now if he went off and did other shit and gained experience, he was a type of person um, that could do that. Like back at Stanley, uh, there's this guy Frank Luke who was the COO, and he started in sales and whatnot. But he also worked other positions like operations manager, branch manager, things like that. And he was he had awesome people skills, but he also had vision, and he kind of understood like. There has to be balance. Like you, you, it can't just be kill everyone, and it doesn't matter what what we have to do to make that number. It, it, he he was a guy that kind of like thought about things and and saw things from a lot of different angles. He's a great guy, um, and a really really good leader. I felt. But I, as far as I have no problem with people that are you know, if my IT the head of my IT isn't the most sociable guy, but he's very very like focused on on the work and like what things that need to get done in order for my system to work. I think that's fine. I encourage it. I'd rather have that guy, I guess, than a guy that's a little too social and maybe wants to play political games and has aspirations to like run the company one day from the IT department, which is not you have to be if you want to run something, you A have to like truly run it to be successful and not just like successful for five years or whatever, you know pop your load off i think you need to work in other departments grind in other departments and just have an appreciation for balance understand that like if you're going to have more production and you're not going to increase you know the amount of hands that are doing it things are going to suffer what 
what is the actual cost of it? Well, you're going to burn out your fucking people eventually, and they're going to leave because they're not appreciated, and you're concentrating on just one thing. But- IT is a weird one, too, because a, a lot of the seasoned people, they come from these companies, and they've been doing the same thing for like 20 years. You know, like if you're if you're IT over uh, over a uh, a grocery chain, for example, um, those those set, those terminals that they're that they're um, checking people out on, they might get a new feature every two years, right? And they they might be largely untouched for thirty years. So the programming for those terminals doesn't change that much. Yeah, you might have a new type of credit card where you get to tap to pay, but that's something that you handle and that's only you only do that once every few years anyways so there's not a whole lot of change so what happens is as as those businesses start to become less profitable they start to lay people off you end up being in you know these people get get kind of dispersed and it's like okay well i i need a job and somebody's like okay well we're going to hire you in as as just doing the normal the normal stuff but you have experience in management, so we would love to put you into a management position. But those people aren't part of; they aren't necessarily part of a growing, um, a growing department. Yeah. So, and I mean, this is kind of us just just taking an episode to pick on IT. But I feel like when if you work on a really really strong team in IT, it's kind of like. It's kind of like um, having a bunch of like like metal fabricators working in a um, in a mechanic shop, right? Because it's not it, it, the it's not like a car rolls in and you just fix it in IT. What happens is is these 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 problems are presented, and the problems are often um, so business specific and unprecedented that you can't just go buy something that solves this issue, right? So what you really need is you need input from engineers. You need an engineer on the support side to say, this is how we're going to support this for the next five years. You need an engineer on the networking side to say, this is what we do so that we don't congest everything while your program is running, right? You need an engineer on the software side to be like, we we aren't getting a first-time programmer writing this because it's going to take them a lot longer and they're going to make a lot of rudimentary mistakes. We really need them to kind of, you know, to, to partner up with somebody that's a little bit more seasoned. And and then you kind of need somebody like like that's like a like an infrastructure overlord that says, wait a second, we all of the all of the computer systems that we have here are t- of type A, but you're going off on a tangent and writing it for type B. It completely breaks our infrastructure here. And those types of standards are really, really, really hard to step into when you are doing this custom fabrication. So I, I think that um I think that poses an issue because you can be a great person manager, right? And you can make sure that your your staff is out doing support or networking or whatever. But if you're like working on a si- in, in inside a silo and you're not communicating with the other silos on a regular basis, and I don't mean process control, I just mean a conversation, right? What the fuck are you working on? And would you be willing to change it a little bit so that it works well for all of us? Um, I think that ends up being a problem. It's an, it's an engineering problem though. Like it's an interesting, it's, it's a problem that could be perceived completely as problem solving and engineering. Um, it's all because the people are stepping into their roles with this "it ain't my job" uh, mentality. I'm sure this happens with all businesses. I'm sure this happens with all types of of, of work that change rapidly, right? Where like 
Today, you have standard A. Tomorrow, you have standard B. And you cannot stop production between standard A going away and standard B being implemented. I guess maybe maybe the, the parallel to that, or maybe where, where, where this is going, is that effectively, you need you need the straight-laced suits versions of those fucking guys who work on, like, pimp your ride. You know, like, again, it's like, here's a problem. Here's a ridiculous mm-hmm. problem that yep. we have to solve. Mm-hmm. We need to get together a crew that can manage this, but we also have to be, you know, it, it's like, you need this. And it's like one of these things where, like, is... I feel like most of the last decade has been trying to hide the monkeys thrashing at the type, you know, like just people paying a whole bunch of money to hide the monkeys for, for all intents and purposes. You know, like they say, like, oh, we put everything in the cloud or, you know, like do that. It's, it's no, the monkeys are still there. We just, we're paying more to, to have someone not allow them to, to make eye contact with us while we are while we are consuming the, yeah. the, the, the fruits of their labor. I definitely, I hope that that archetype is going to die out soon. Like the fucking manager that doesn't give well, the credit to his team first. <laughs> like the, the honestly lack of leadership. There's a massive lack of leadership um, in some companies and some corporations that can be seen in certain departments. Honestly, you, and if the, I feel the most effective leader is the one that takes none of the credit is the quarterback essentially in the NFL. You take none of the credit for a win. You take all the blame for the loss and you make your team, the rest of the, the people around you understand that they're valued and that they have input um, and be willing to like hear them out, but also, you know, have to understand where they draw the hard line and say, Listen, at this point, you know, your your ideas, I, I I've heard your ideas, but it's we're a support role here. You know what I mean? Like IT is, you know, different from from like quality and stuff, but that being said, we're all support roles, right? We're all supporting operations essentially. I think p- explaining that I- explaining the situation and understanding that we're never gonna be the focus here, like because our literal existence is here to support operations. Right. But, right. you know, I think when you give people input and give people a piece of the department, you know, uh, I think it it helps because at least the person they may be miserable, but at least they've had some input and they've had their voice heard and and hopefully some of their suggestions at least tried or explained why they wouldn't work. Right? The problem with leadership is anybody that takes all the all the credit and doesn't essentially say. You know, I really didn't do much except put a good team together. My team brought me brought us here. Like my team is the one that got the win. I think you're a shitty leader and you should probably not have a job. That's my opinion. I think that should go hopefully that's gonna go the way of the dinosaurs. Um people understand that, you know. You're the leader, you get pa- you, you get paid more than everybody else. That's your fucking reward. So eat shit the rest of the time and just be happy with your paycheck. Is our economy slowly col- actually not slowly? Progressively, increasingly, speedingly collapses like a flan in a cupboard. Uh, they will all be replaced by a series of small shell scripts, like 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 us, like this like this podcast. <laughs> yeah, but i i i've I've come af- across a few in my day that were just you know glory hounds. But I think for the most part, it's common sense. You you lead by example, and you don't 
don't take the fucking server's tips. <laughs> Let the servers keep their tips. What do we got for time? We got yeah. system.exit zero. Yeah. I was just to get you more riled up. So, uh, yeah, you could take our tips. They uh they're changing the four hundred one k taxes. So now uh now 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 we're now we're fu- now we're fucked. Now we're fucked completely. So really, yeah. Uh, drive fast, take chances. Um, wade, you're a cyborg next year. I uh I uh I'm, Sweet. I'm fuck, I, I got wait. parts on I got parts I got parts in order right now. Insert me. Don't. <laughs> Well, with that, I'm going to ritualistically kill the show because we are over time. Thank you for listening, everybody. I uh, appreciate the likes and the uh, the shares, the word of mouth, the mouth of word. It's not a thing, but I just made it up. And uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. My brain is mush. So, uh, Gunner, take us on out of here.